0: How it makes me feel now thinking back, I'm really warmed by it and I go, wow, that is that was really important because there are people at home with channel nine on that actually just need to see themselves on TV. Yeah. They just they just need to see their actual daily struggles just put up there and it matters and it's important. And we're like my job is to tell their stories. It's not for me to get some sort of glory from this exceptional performance I might be doing in some really complicated character. It's yeah. like, actually, like I'm here to serve you.
1: All right, Thieves, that's just a very special tidbit of the fourth episode with our very special guest, award-winning actress and writer, Anna McGann. I know that I said we would be interviewing Daniel Henschel at the end of the third episode with Ed Oxenbold, and unfortunately, I've had some technical issues with just the sound, but it'll be coming up soon in future episodes be um, be assured. But this episode is quite special. We sit down and chat with um, a new mother, Anna McGann, and also what she's going through in terms of her creative process at the moment and the power of being an artist and being able to stir the pot and also being highly sensitive and not seeing that as a problem in a world that is, you know, overwrought with People, if you're sensitive, you're in the wrong place, but that being a very rare and special gift. So it's an amazing conversation. She's hyper eloquent and so lovely to listen to. Um, and you'll also be hearing a very special guest in the background too, her beautiful daughter, Mercy. So enjoy the conversation. I know that I did chatting to her. So And before I forget, I, I, I just want to shout out to everybody who's been listening, feeding back, sending me emails or even just in person talking about this with me. I really appreciate it. This is exactly what I wanted to do and create a community around ideas and inspiration and ambition and and just people, you know. Aside from that, enjoy this conversation and I'll be hearing from you and speaking to you very soon. See ya. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of The Good Thief. My name is Joel Jackson. I'll be your host. Now, if you can hear that beautiful clacking in the background, that is a wonderful child who's playing with little toys. Her name is Mercy Weir, and she will be also part of this interview. She is the daughter of my interviewee this afternoon, the lovely Anna McGann. Now, before we get started, um, I wanted to ask you, do you know how many episodes of TV that you've done?
0: I've never counted. Although, if I could make it... Shall I take a guess?
1: Yeah, t- take a guess, because I know.
0: Oh, wow. Really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, wow. Because this is all part of my
1: intro. This is the first time I've allowed someone like, to chat before we before I, I make them blush.
0: Oh, 50? Or maybe not 50.
1: You have done over 80 episodes of television since uh, uh, 2011, right? Wow. So not only has this wonderful woman done over 80 episodes of TV since 2011... You may know her from series such as House Husbands, Underbelly, The Dr. Blake Murder Mysteries, where she plays Rose Anderson. More recently, Picnic Hanging Rock as Miss Greta McGraw, mm. which has been sold to the US, the UK, France, New Zealand and Germany. Yes. yes just huge. Um, and that's a reimagining of Peter Weir's classic film, of course. Um, you've also been nominated for Two Logies, both in 2012 for the Graham Kennedy Most Outstanding Newcomer Talent Award. And just for being a badass in Underbelly, uh, then you—it was just for being a Badass. just for being yeah, a badass, yeah. just a general.
0: <laughs> that's, that's how people describe me, just as a general badass. Yeah,
1: I think it's Anna badass McGann. Exactly, that's what's on all exactly. your trailers. I think it's part of your contractual agreements. And you've also you've also um, won the Hit Ledger Scholarship Award, which is an honorary award um, from Australians in Film, which is a, uh, an organisation based out of Los Angeles, which helps. Uh, a lot of Australian filmmakers, beautiful little Mercy's... Mercy's into it. She's like, I love Heath Ledger's films. <laughs> um, and also Heath's family to help uh, young, up actors really kick it off there in the States. But you've also, you, you're an acclaimed writer in your own right. You, you, you've won the Queensland Young Playwright Award in 2008, 2009. You were shortlisted for the Queensland Premier Drama Award in 2010 and also the Saturday Papers National Essay Award, the Horn Prize in 2016. No wonder your child wants to speak so much. <laughs> I mean, you guys have a... You, 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 you did you ever feel like you were just born into this world with a voice?
0: You know what? No. I felt like I was born into this world, and every time I tried to speak, someone would talk over the top of me. Now, that sounds so strange.
1: No. I was about to do a really bad thing and like talk over the top to the joke. Yeah, look, it's fine. Look, I'm doing it to the child. Yeah, I I know.
0: No, no, but it was one of like, I have this theory that so many artists have experienced this because Mm. I remember being in acting school and we were having like a round table discussion about some play we're about to do, and I kept being like, oh, this, oh, what about this idea, and the director stopped it and and he actually it wasn't. It was an observation. It wasn't this generous act of, of intervention where he just goes, has anyone noticed that every time Anna tries to speak, nobody listens to her? And I
1: internalised
0: that for so long. But I think something in that – I'm so sorry. That was my phone.
1: <laughs> no, we've got to leave them on because there's – No, no. It's, it's off. Right. It's all right? It's okay. Off. okay.
0: Sorry, I hope that that no. can be taken out of the recording. No, it's um, okay. I think that there's a degree of, not that we create from these internal places of shame, but this degree of finding your way through in a silent place and going, you know what, maybe I, thank you, Mercy. Um, I want to affirm her voice. Um, but there is this element of, of, of I know for a long time in my adolescence and in my youth, even as a creative artist, yeah, really feeling like, Okay, this is not about being some sort of loud voice for the people or making what everybody else wants to hear. But if I'm going to write or if I'm going to perform, I need to do it for me. If I'm the only person that reads it, if I'm the only person yeah. that listens, then it's got to be enough. And it, I think that it helped in some ways me find uh, an authenticity potentially, or just a vulnerability.
1: So when did you, did you start? I mean, did you start writing while you were at drama school? When, yes. when did you, when, so when did you graduate drama school? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just listening to her having She's, a scene. I know, me too. I'm like, to me, like, oh, I love babies. And I'm just like, I, my eyes, <laughs> my ears are wandering. My eyes are like, what?
0: For those listening, I warned Joel before we began. I was like, when, when I'm having a conversation with someone, she wants to be part of it. And if we talk a lot, she'll try and talk as well. <laughs> um, so I affirm it. Um, Good girl. I graduated acting school. I went to QUT up in Queensland. I graduated. Right, okay. So you were a Queenslander? Yes. Okay. I graduated 2010. Okay. Um, but So yes, 2010. So previous to that, i had actually never wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be a writer. Right. And so I grew up um, and I'd seen a member of my family, one of my uncles, Andrew McGann, was an author. And I'd always seen this sort of remarkable trajectory that he'd taken and gone, That's possible. You can be a writer. Yeah. It's actually an option for somebody. And so I'd I'd sort of gone from, you know, probably from the age of seven going, one day I want to be an author and that's what I'm going to do.
1: Wow. So you had it back then. Yeah. Oh, wow.
0: And then it wasn't until I graduated high school actually and I was studying psychology um, at university that I got an interest in acting and I felt I gave myself permission to just try.
1: And that was the kind of... I think it's a really interesting thing, too, when we decide, like, when we go, I'm going to give you the permission to just kind of try this idea out yeah, and see what happens. Because I was surrounded by, like, um, minors, right? Not, yeah, like, just wow. children, but, like, the industry. Um, yeah. My dad's a primary <laughs> nice school one. principal, yeah, so nice I one. actually, you know, most days yep. I kind of was surrounded by children. Yep. Um, and my, dad, my dad's, like, the oldest of seven. And then there's... So many Jacksons and Tozers and Fleets, and there's a lot of us. Yeah, we kind of take over the southwest of Australia. Hey,
0: we've taken over Queensland because my dad's one of ten.
1: Oh my lord!
0: So we've we've also spread
1: the seed quite far. Me me and Greg McLean, when we did Wolf, I mean we did uh, Jungle, but he's done Wolf Creek. That's what I was going to. Yeah. Um, he's the youngest of ten in Esperance. Wow. So when we were filming in Columbia, we're like we are the solid representatives of like. We're 25% of Western Australia right now. Like, we've just left the country, you know. Um, But uh, no, I was surrounded by, um, like, it was really difficult to kind of do anything um, creative and kind of be, like you're saying, be validated for it and kind of know that it was okay to do. I mean, there was only one guy that I knew that in town did that specifically just for a living as a guitarist. Mm. I was like, I can do that. I, because of following in his footsteps and driving with him to Port Hedland and stuff to do gigs all around the, all around that state, I was like, "Oh, there's a there's a way there's a way out of this." And then my mum mm. suggested auditioning for Whopper and Nida. Is well, that
0: was the first step? Was that the first step you took towards yeah. performance? Yeah. Auditioning for yeah. acting school.
1: Yep, and then I got into both. Wow. And was like, what have I done? Um, so then I ran away to Sydney, um, so I could try to like find what it was.
0: Did you train
1: then? Yeah, trained at Nida. Yeah, wow. But it was that thing of I gave myself a chance to like just have a crack. Yeah, which it yeah. sounds like what you kind of did, and yeah. and then just kind of went. Well, I found it. I'm just going to keep running with it. Did, yes. Does it feel like that? Yes, it have was you kind of been learning on the go and very
0: much so. Um, I often think that I learned more in the first three months out of acting school than I did the whole <laughs> three years. <laughs> yeah. um, not that I didn't learn anything, no, and no, I appreciated no. it deeply. But you're just until you're face to face with the industry, it's very difficult to know actually what type of a performer you are and and where and what happens when you sort of flex those muscles or apply those sk- skills or use that voice. Yeah. And um, I definitely found that it was it was something that just I kept following the path as it folded out in front of me. Yep. I was I wasn't the type of person that. Not that I didn't have ambition, but I just, I just didn't have a lot of confidence when I graduated. I wasn't the type of person that was like, come um. at me. Like, um, come on, Hollywood. <laughs> I just was like, I'm going to give it a couple of years and it probably won't work. And then I'll go back to, and I'll do psychology or I'll, I'll write plays. And, right. and it was such a surprise. I don't know about you, but it was such a surprise to me to even be in the industry yep. that I think I was like a deer in headlights for the first like yes. six what years. Was your first,
1: What was your first thing? That you like that you got in well, once you left.
0: I got in a play, a professional production at Boite in Queensland. That was the very first thing. Right. But yeah, it was. It was the very first thing. It was Shakespeare.
1: Oh man. I, it
0: was Julius Caesar. Oh and, um, man. So that was just See, all I'm, of a sudden that was on. I've the, never
1: done a Shakespeare. Oh, it's Like so at school, good. We, did, we did a, my cohort where half of it did Greek and half of it did Shakespeare, and I did the Greeks. And I didn't say anything. I was a mute soldier in the background. Oh, no. But I loved it. John Bell from John Bell like Bell Shakespeare remembered me. Wow. As this silent soldier. He's like, you're very good, very intimidating. I was like, <laughs> bam. And Nailed it, was, it. But no, I've never, like I'd love to do them, but I'm like now I'm kind of ruined any chance of doing it because now I'm like, I haven't done anything. So. No, no. But I mean, how did you, Who you're working with seasoned kind of vets?
0: Yes. Yeah, I was. At that stage um, and kind of going, David okay. Bertholdt was directing it, actually. Oh, man. And he, was, he put a lot of trust in me at such a young age, as such a fresh grad. Um, and I really, I really adored the experience, actually. Yeah. I found it tumultuous and very challenging. I wasn't sure how to balance everything. At the same time, so just before we started that play, it was when I got cast in Underbelly. And then, so then I had to sort of sit on that knowing that literally the day I finished Caesar, I'd fly to Sydney and start Razor. And so there was this sort of, I wouldn't call it pressure, but more this weird expectation um, that I had for myself and that I think was on me that when I was doing the play, especially, and I was filming another show. At the same time on the Mondays, I'd fly down to Sydney on the Mondays off of the show to film a show called Spirited, um, that Claudia Carvin had produced. Right. Which was Yeah, I remember um, Spirited. That's yeah. a great show. It's amazing. Fantastic and I felt show. like I felt like the luckiest girl in oh the God. entire world. Like, it was my she was my idol. It was my dream. I was Claudia Carvin like, is work. a bit of a I mean like a bit of a gem. She's still is. Aussie yeah, gem. She's I re- think
1: like an underrated Aussie gem. Yeah, I agree. In the kind of public spectrum. I agree. Creatives kind of love her. Yeah, and critics do, but there's this like,
0: but it makes her more authentic for the fact that she isn't like this sort of shiny, that. you know, golden Logie thing. She's just this like hardcore it's like, actor.
1: It's like Tim Rogers. I'm, I'm. Yes. bumped in. yeah, bumped into Tim Rogers after screening of uh, the final film for Myth like yes. a couple of weeks ago. Right. It was just like I had no words. I was just yeah. like I walked past. Was like Tim icon. Rogers. Yeah. I was like you are uh, you're a you're a fucking rock icon. I think my language, but that's what I said yeah. to his face because I had no idea, and he was like get it. With <laughs> oh, yeah. a big smile on his face and like put a boot to my ass. And I was like, Wow. Yes, like yeah. what a guy. <laughs> that's exactly
0: like, the response.
1: What a you know, that's those icons of I think I think that's quintessentially to like a very Australian thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I don't know, maybe. But anyway, so back to Spirited, whilst doing Julius Caesar, Julius Caesar raps you go do underbelly. Yeah. That's what you were nominated for your Logie for. Yes. Correct? So you kind of hit the you hit the ground definitely 100% sprinting.
0: Yes, but also clueless.
1: I think that's a how, – how did you feel about that? Did that make you – it feels like we had a very similar start. Mm. Um, how did you feel about being clueless in, in those kind of situations? Did it make you more open and naive to the whole experience and kind of not? Like a deer, like yeah, you said deer and headlights, but more, just more wild-eyed, wild-eyed with the whole entire thing, so that you didn't take anything for granted. Like everything became yes. a source of inspiration.
0: Yes, that you know, you're absolutely right. There was I. What I do remember was this really exquisite feeling of gratitude that mm-hmm. I don't think I've been able to bring up again, particularly around work since. Where every single day, like every single scene, every single costume change, I'd be like this is beautiful, this is remarkable, I can't believe it, I can't believe it, I can't believe it. Um, that was paired, at least for me, with I think a degree of naivety, like this expectation somehow that I would be, and I was to a degree protected and and nurtured and looked after, particularly by that production. Yeah. But I think I, ex- I didn't know and – you can probably speak into this as well, I didn't know what it would feel like or w- look like to have my work in the public eye. And I'd never been in the public eye. Everything had just been internal, you know. It had been yeah. in acting school. It had been, yeah. you know, I'd I'd performed on stage in Brisbane and that was a really amazing experience, but that was the first time. And this idea, I guess, in some ways, I think I romanticised what it would mean to have your work and work that I felt very deeply about, very vulnerable work. And right. that, you know, and being at the deer in headlights, you do, it was, it allowed me to have a freedom in my work, I think. That if I went back and did that role now, I probably wouldn't have.
1: Yeah. Um, Because you'd be worried about the after. Totally. Yes,
0: exactly. I'd be like, I'd overthink it all. I'd protect myself in advance. I'd put up all these different badges. But at the time, I was like, hey, I am this character. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I am devoted. Yeah. And there is no script. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, And yeah, not. And then you realize both the good and the bad of what happens when, you know, work is made public and it. When something is distributed, it starts to belong to the audience as well. It isn't just yours. It it becomes a conversation and that was very confronting for me. How did you find that?
1: I found it, because as a performer, as a musician, I've always done it for other people. Yeah, right. Right? So, but acting was always, always felt like mine and the person I was doing it with. Mm. Even though we're doing it for somebody else and NIDA is such a big theatre school, we we did have film and TV but it felt like it was always because like you're saying it's a school like yeah. it was failing you would had to fail every day yes that was part of the exp- that's what I loved about it and I f- I feel like when I got those roles like the first being Deadline Gallipoli like along yeah of like course Q Dancy and Sam Worthington and, and Rachel Griffiths and Charles Dance and Brian <laughs> Brown and Brian Brown comes up to me and goes you're not giving me enough in this scene Oh, you're like alright cool what can I do he's like you need to stop me on those stairs. I was like, because like it's a scene I confront him as the general to let me go to Gallipoli as a journalist, and mm-hmm. it, and like it changed my whole thing because I, I started to I had initially been internalizing it all, and being like, okay, well, film is smaller than theater, all this kind of stuff, and mm. speaking to myself that way. That was on the second day of my first ever week on set, and to know that it was still like this huge performance element. And that it was so much more physical and vocal than what I was like telling myself it was. Put everything in perspective and snapped it back. So I forever thank that man for that moment. Um, But then when it was shared, it was strange because you're watching it with your mates Mm. and having like a couple of beers and and a barbecue, like celebrating, hey, Joel's on TV and he's been researching all this stuff and living in the house of six guys while he's been doing it. and (laughs) You know what I mean? And now it's on primetime TV. Yeah. And your face is all through like Sydney tunnels. You're kind of <laughs> going, I don't know how to relate to this anymore. Yes, yeah. Um, I've gotten a lot better at it now. Yeah. Much better at it. But it's really interesting. Like I listened to the WTF podcast with Mark Maron and he had Josh Brolin on. I was mm-hmm. listening to that this morning. And Josh Brolin was saying that when he did like The Goonies, didn't realise what it was going to be and it was huge. And then he got a role in Thrasher, which was a wicked skateboarding film. He only got it because he reckons the audition stank, but he had a massive poster up on like Hollywood Boulevard, and he was <laughs> the biggest guy there, so they <laughs> gave him the role because it was going to be that. But he thought Thrasher was like a crap film that he had made and bad acting, and he went back to school and to study in New York after that. But had people coming up for the rest of his life saying how good Thrasher was and his wow. performance in it. But he doesn't belong that, and he like he doesn't um, own it anymore. Yeah. Like as soon as you share it, if someone needs to see that skater guy. Yeah, and can relate to it, and yeah. it tells their story, that's their story. Like, yes. Um, and you can't get in the way of that. Totally. Like when I, for the first time that when Peter came out, people go like, oh, I love that Peter Allen, and oh, I get really self-conscious yeah. about being seen as as a homosexual guy, just because I'm not a homosexual. Mm-hmm. So I got weirdly young and self-conscious about the whole thing, going, yeah. oh, people will perceive me as that, rather than yeah. going, no, you're an actor. Yeah. So I had to learn... How to kind of do it and then let it go. Yes. And let it become just like playing music. It's always somebody else's.
0: And realizing you're telling other people's stories. I relate to that so much. I remember for many years, even with House Husbands, because it was commercial television, yeah, I would have this response, almost this shame response of like, it doesn't matter as much, or I'm not as proud of it because that's not where my most risky work has been, or that's not where I feel like I've given my heart and my soul. And these, you know, like, you know, on the screen. exactly. And yet, the people, what I found is that when people have come up to me to comment on my work, it is almost always from house husbands because they're almost always parents. And it was a show that oh. was empathetic. To what they were going through and actually and because i wasn't a mother at that time i actually didn't share oh, in what that boy. reality okay. was and when i think back now to some of the content that we were making and how that made how it makes me feel now thinking back i'm really warmed by it and i go wow that is that was really important because there are people at home with channel 9 on that actually just need to see themselves on tv yeah. They just they just need to see their actual daily struggles just put up there and it matters and it's important and we're at, like my job is to tell their stories it's not for me to get some sort of glory from this exceptional performance i might be doing in some really complicated character it's yeah. like actually like i'm here to serve you.
1: Totally. Totally. Like i've i've tried to i i desperately wanted to do that sort of television. Yeah, wow. Just ju- just because like the two things that i'd done that um were my first staple into the industry, mm. was so hectic.
0: Yeah, of course. Like, was, yeah. so,
1: was such hectic characters and yeah. periods and kind of, like, t- stories. Um, and so, like, I just, yeah, I tried desperately to get involved in that kind of TV to go, what is the difference? Mm. Like, is there? And can I treat it the same? And, <laughs> like, you... <laughs> Sorry. Like, you, yeah. you can't. Like, um, but, but I, I think only because everyone there knows... Like, people will watch those shows, and that's why they're limited series shows, because of the intensity of their moments, whereas those long-term running things, which I've never been a part of, really, but they're they're slow burns, and the thing is, like, you relate so much more to the character for such a longer period of time, rather than going, oh, what a great story. Yes. Like, it's the character and your involvement and relationship with that. Yeah. Which is like what you were saying really interested me then, because I've been struggling with the whole idea of reality TV mm. at the moment. Because um, I love Greeks. I, I, like, I yeah. not just like Greeks and <laughs> Greek people in general. I mean, Greeks are lovely. Greeks are lovely. I love Greek food. I, I had this, yeah, yes, okay, yes. But. Greek food is amazing. <laughs> but like, so the populace and the idea of the Greek and the Roman society and that kind of old school structure of the polis being the people and. Um, plays and literature and yeah. philosophy and that kind of like... You'd all go and sit and listen to an orator mm. and kind of... Like the Festival of Dangerous Ideas yeah. or the Melbourne's Writers Festival yeah. or like a gal You know what I mean? Like yeah. that was your daily fodder rather than there being reality TV's, the mm-hmm. daily fodder. And I'm just... I struggle with the idea of that being what we consume as our daily fodder and mm. what it's doing to us. But then also what you just said kind of made me think about the opposite side of that coin because I'm always trying to fight for the battle of like it's not my place to say anything mm, like that mm. you know what i mean but what you were just saying about them like populists being able to see themselves on the screen after a 9 to 5 and go oh that's me and i matter and it's not just some actor telling me like a story like i mean that really i would argue I mean, with, no i would argue think?
0: with that because I think we that's our job. We yeah. are these actors telling these stories and that is the that's the invitation to people that can that want to sit and watch. They want to be told the stories that reflect them because we don't just show the tension of where they are, we walk it out, right? Yeah. We we go through the healing. We go through the breakup. We go as the actors, we go through the car crash or the the resolution of oh, these okay. lives and people can go, right, I see a pathway through my circumstances. I on alternatively, I look at reality wow. television and I don't see narrative. I don't see hope. I don't see resolution. I see mockery of who we actually are as human beings. And it's these circumstances that they're 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 building in almost to to sort of feed the apathy. Like I'm so angry about it, but like you know, you know we are all struggling in our relationships, right? Like yeah. whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you're going through a divorce, whatever it looks like. Like relationships are really hard and relationships are really beautiful. Yes. Instead of showing narrative that celebrates or explores the realities of what we're really going through, the reality TV in inverted commas yeah. shows a completely impossible circumstance that I think makes a mockery of those desires. Um, and it I get angry about it. I think I it hurts I- me because I feel like story helps us heal and resolve and move forward as a community. And that's not story. I want to just like, record that <laughs> <laughs> and
1: just kind of walk into people's rooms and go, hey, listen, quiet. Just hush for a minute. Just wait for the KFC had to come on for cricket it's coming up and mm. just listen to Adam again just she's got something so just sh- no because I, I agree with you like I yeah it, yeah like it kills me when I speak to mates and go hey let's go and do this mm-hmm. like on a Wednesday night or th- Thursday you know it's late in the afternoon I'm like let's go down here and see this band I think there's a jazz band that plays every Wednesday down this place or go do this or whatever Oh, I've actually got like gonna a couple of friends coming over to watch the batch. Mm-mm, I'm mm. like, you, come, come on, really? I mean, let's not waste our brain power talking about it. <laughs> yes, because yeah. you've got phenomenal <laughs> things to say, and I want to hear them. And so of these lovely people. But I'm, I'm, you know, I think that's something that we could all consider and to take in. And even when we are consuming things and supporting stories and supporting artists, mm. su- supporting those that you know are telling stories that matter. Yeah. I think that's an important thing to as an audience member, to always remember. I went through a big period where, like, I wouldn't go to music festivals or or concerts or stuff that I didn't feel were, like, actually spreading good stuff.
0: Yeah, interesting.
1: And rather than it just being like, yeah, we've got the 10 hottest bands. It's like, Yeah. yeah, but... Are your artists like good art like are they yeah. good people and good humans as artists is what they're trying to say and what their songs are about rather than being like a robin thick yeah kind of blur you like hey, yeah. what are you saying man yeah um I think that's important to remember is the power of the audience the same as when we have politicians there is so much more power in the polis and the populace than yes. we give ourselves credit for yes, how do you feel about being an artist and being able to stir those things into action it's kind of.
0: Look, there's absolutely a power in it. But I think we also – I've had to go on a bit of a journey regarding – like learning what my power is because you also get fed to a degree as a performer this idea that you don't have power. You're at the mercy of the people that pick you and cast you and yep. place you and the people that choose you. Yep. And if you're not chosen, then sorry. And, <laughs> and I've had to sort of – I guess it's the process of reclaiming your voice and for me this is where writing is really imperative where there was a period of time I suppose where I just I really took whatever or felt to take whatever job came across my way because I was so grateful to just be involved in the arts at all. Right. and then realised I'm accountable for the words I say even though I didn't write them, Yeah. I'm saying them and people will hear them and they will respond to them so if I don't agree with those words, that's a problem yep. because I'm still perpetrating those ideas and it's helped me yeah, you then to become realize vessel for those words. exactly yeah. and so you, you have to take responsibility for them and so it's I, I i guess i figured out really quickly i didn't want to just be a, some of the characters i played i wanted to have my own sense of character my own sense of who i was yeah. and when i was you know i, I think a lot <laughs> and <laughs> when when i'm like when i am just reading other people's words there's this silencing in a way that comes and and I felt like it was a really healing and sort of empowering process for me to even before I started sharing any of my writing just to be to know what I knew you know to make to make sure to to record how what I thought or how I felt about the world or different um, ideas I suppose yeah and that's where my writings actually helped me I think be a braver actor in regarding. Regarding like what, what I say no to and what I say yes to.
1: Yeah, because you have a, so much more of an understanding of what... I mean, not what you're capable of and what you're not capable of saying, but the compass of Totally. What I want your to say. Words, yeah, yeah. And what you want to be saying. Like, what do I
0: actually process? believe? And for a while there, I think I there was a period of time where I was like, I'll believe whatever you want me to believe or, or what is the right thing to believe, which sounds yeah. extreme. But I think... I'm observing a lot of people fall into that, where it's like, "What's what is the right? Let me just check social media. What is the right thing to believe yeah. in this situation? Okay, I better follow that." Um, and sometimes I just need to take a little breather and go, "Okay, where? Like, let's check back in. Like, okay, what is what is that project um, sharing or, or what's, yeah. what story are no, they telling?" No, exactly
1: what you're saying. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I know, I, I'm, uh, hopefully, I'm making no, some no, degree no, of no, sense no, no. here. <laughs> I'm with you 100 because I was doing. I was about, oh, I yeah. I was going to do something. We um, were just talking before. Mm. My um, heritage is indigenous. Mm. Not that you can say I look like the most European sucker on the planet, but like oh, I look like the most European yeah, sucker yeah, on the planet, yeah. and I am. I'm a bit like tan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're very much European. Um, but uh, you know, there was a show that was coming up that was um, a woman of both indigenous and Anglo heritage and. Mm. Then um, she came into meeting her white family and it was only through her white family that she had any sense of power or claim on the world. Or like, in, you know what I mean? Like had a, had a had a chance to voice or do something. And I was like, sorry, what? Like, mm-hmm. what, are you, what are you saying with the show? The show had lots of other stuff going on. Yeah. But to me, that's all I saw. I saw this girl in a different community who then was enticed out of that community to a different community and was told she was something like special. It's like, well, I, I don't understand how that is something we can put on uh, national TV yeah. and not understand like the deeper yeah. image of what that is yeah, and not say, no, you are special, more than special in your own community. Yes. I just, yeah. yeah. So I think uh, you're right as a writer. I mean, I've, I only write songs, but um, try started trying to write things. But the more I read... <laughs> Mm. the more I, I get a better understanding of what I agree and don't agree with. Yes. Like yeah. reading certain oh, reading, literature and yeah. going, no, I don't agree. Like, yes. It's amazing how something like – and it can put you in that grey area of going, do you, are you just reading this? Yeah. Or are you going to read it with like a sense of self-affirmation or w- w- like to investigate it and be like, what are you trying to say? Mm-hmm. And who are you as a writer? Like what's the voice there? Yeah. I think – so do you reckon you learnt that from just family or school or from your from talking to your uncle or just inherently stuff that was born from curiosity?
0: You know, I think my uncle has been a major inspiration, and I I've been thinking on this quite a lot recently because he came from an Irish Catholic background. Like like I said, my dad's one of ten. Um, right. There's only one way that happens, <laughs> like, and that is yeah, you know, a lot of stalks. Yeah, exactly, so, yeah, ex- precisely. <laughs> um, <laughs> So they grew up in this farm and it was, there was a degree, a really, it was a very conservative background, I think. And my uncle, oh, honey. What's happening, little one? Two seconds.
1: No, not a worry. Little Mercy's just having a bit of a grumble. She heard family and was like, well, yeah, where, where are you? <laughs> Beautiful little girl. She's about seven, eight months old and she's just the most gorgeous thing in the world.
0: Yeah. Oh, you want the microphone? You don't get it, babe. Um, so, my uncle, when he was 23, wrote this. Oh, yeah, you're close to it now. Um, he wrote his first book, which was called Praise. Right. And he won – he wrote it in a couple of months and won the Vogel Prize for it, oh. which is – it was really remarkable um, prize. And it was turned into a film, actually. Um, Sasha Haller stars in it. It's really quite a fascinating um, project. But the reality is that was – you know, a semi-autobiographical book, which was the most brazen, intense piece of writing about yeah. sex and drugs that I have ever read.
1: Whoa. And, the pref- and you're kind of going... Oh.
0: Just the, the bravery. Like, he was just so unashamed in the story that he was telling. He's told it with such beauty, with such um, nuance. and And I watched, you know, what should have been this sort of explosion in this conservative Irish Catholic family be just such a source of pride and joy. And I feel like it wow. was this really liberating example of, of going, when somebody has created something with absolute vulnerability and authenticity, you cannot fault them. You just can't. If that's yeah. his truth, if that's what he has lived and written, or even contrived out of his own imagination, and it resonates with people and there's beauty in it, no matter what the content, then... Then that's that's pure and that's free. Yeah. And I think there's a that's been a real inspiration for me when it comes to looking at okay, well how do we how do I write story? How do I choose stories that I want to tell? Like going you don't have to be afraid of um of
1: whether censorship or yeah, or yeah, yeah, or whether or, whether or, not, or not it's gonna be the right thing exactly. for the right audience to write. Exactly. Who's like, it
0: going to offend? You know, like I Yeah. There's there are a lot of people in this world to offend. <laughs> and I've offended a lot like of them. <laughs> just like
1: smiling for the whole thing. <laughs> this smile crept across Anna's face. It wasn't even just like, I am enjoying this sentence <laughs> so much. Hey, beautiful Mercy. You just got eyes, girl. The most beautiful eyes.
0: She's grabbing this microphone. She's like so she's born for the oh, stage. What are you saying, hon? No, to say? she just wants to eat it.
1: She just wants to chew on the damn thing. Mm. But it's it like, I listening to that then and the the fostering of creativity like and voice and mm. stuff h- how do you like do you find cuz this household is a fairly like a very creative household right yes yeah um and that's something to be amazingly proud of but when do you walk out onto like normal days and you go into coffee shops or you walk into stuff that aren't you know things that aren't uh, festivals or shows mm-hmm. or bits and pieces how do you see the the general kind of... Uh, what I'm trying to go for is like, do you feel like the world is a creative place or, or a good place for creativity and people's kind of confidence in their own voice?
0: Oh, you know, my instinctual answer is no. Yeah. And maybe... Maybe that's because I feel like I do straddle two worlds. And I remember even... I've been thinking a lot about this idea of creative identity and creative community because yeah. when I was a teenager I just felt abnormal. <laughs> yeah. I just felt like the weirdo and nobody like diagnose that as creativity. They just diagnose that as you're abnormal and weird. You right. know, like you don't you you're highly sensitive and that's a problem. Um, rather than wow, like you you take stimulus in a very particular way and mm. you can create something out of it or you um you sense and intuit things and that's a beautiful gift like that and I it was only later when I got into creative community when you know when you start doing amateur theater or you get to acting school and you realize there are people like you yeah that it becomes a, a healing thing and a really um and then you know you find ways to have that fostered but even then and I, maybe it was the same when you were studying the creativity was fostered but the the sense of self or the the health of the artist wasn't protected necessarily mm. and that wasn't no. fostered and and i guess i've always felt like i've come from a f- excuse me stop gagging yourself what my are you darling your hand down there for? Um, <laughs> <laughs> well it's an exciting time on this podcast <laughs> uh, well um, so gorgeous i i guess i've observed you know coming from a family of, of from I'm the daughter of a surgeon and a physio, you know, like it right. wasn't. A cr- I didn't have necessarily. I would say I had a creative childhood. I've got two younger brothers. Two younger brothers, and one's a doctor, and the other is is working for Live Nation. So he works in like he he does work for festivals. Oh, so he's yeah, super right. Interested in um, and he's very creative too. Um, so it's not that you can't get crea- creativity out of scientific places, quite the opposite. But I did notice like people don't know how to deal with creative people they yeah. they label them or they box them or they they get a little confused like you yeah. going to my mother's group like i'm in a mother's group with a clinical psychologist and a pediatrician and a cfo and you know and women that work in sales and they're like what do yeah. you do so like, what
1: do you do what is it like? there's such
0: yeah. a um I, I, it's not a stigma it's just sort of a a wide berth around Mm. creative people and creative process it's not normalized and so unless we're i'm really passionate about community in that regard because i feel like unless we're in creative community and we're filling up with one another and and supporting one another and acknowledging the difficulties because they are different and our mental states are different and our challenges are complete like my challenges as a creative mother are completely different to the challenges of of a mother in any other career yeah. and I have, there are benefits to that too. But if I don't talk to other creative mothers, I will feel isolated and and challenged and possibly worthless and feel like I'm failing yeah, when well. in fact I'm not, you know, things like, yeah. things like that, I guess, yeah. where I, when I, I do feel like a bit of a, an alien, unless I'm in, co- in communication with other creative people that yeah. are doing it. Yeah, no, do you find
1: that? No, totally. I went in. I started adulting this month. Oh wow! Yeah, did you what, just for the first time in twenty seven years? I was like, did I'm you enrol have...
0: to vote? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But just no, I've I've always been a fairly adulting individual. Mm. I've I've, I've kind of got my stuff together in some degrees. Yeah, but um, and a lot of my mates call me Dad. Yeah. <laughs> um, But that's our general (laughs) friend group. We all call (laughs) each other dad. That's really funny. Um, But no, like I started to kind of look at things and I've got some work coming up that may kind of ride out for a bit longer so I can have some security with stuff and can kind of go, okay, well, what what else can I do? So Mm -hmm. my thought process in regards to what's capable as a creative has evolved. Yeah. Whereas it had been month to month or week to week or two months to two months. Yeah. And when I was living in America and playing gigs in I was just telling someone recently um on the podcast as well doing uh the trip to vegas every thursday midnight and sunday midnight back to la that was like three days to three days kind of like living wow so it's a very interesting rare breed and i went into the bank yesterday and sat down because um one of my cards was uh, expiring so i went in just to kind of go look um can I get that you know, delivered to a different address? I could do it online, but I was like, oh, I'm on the street. Or well, while I'm here, can I check in about a credit card? I've never had one, never needed one, wow. not interested in one. You know, it was like, can I just kind of pick your brand about it all just so that if it comes up to rent a car, you don't have just a debit and you can't actually do it. You know, yeah. I was like, okay, step into the world, Jackson. Started talking about it. She goes, so you just have to bro- provide like all these details. I'm like, okay, like well, what details? She's like your list of like paying bills and doing things <laughs> yes. like that. I was like I haven't been on a lease in 3 years. Wow. Like how do I it's not and and it makes it made me feel like an idiot. Like yeah. it yeah. made me feel like such an invalid in totally. terms of what everyone else does.
0: Makes you feel like a child. I make you
1: feel like a total... It's like total the education mood. system being oh, like, man. we're going to
0: test one level of intelligence and none of the others count. Whereas exactly. like, This is one level, this is one test of security or, or adulting yeah. and none of the others count.
1: I was like, mate, if if there were someone that was in complete distress or like, all, I just went through all those other situations in my head where I was like, I could nail that. Like, mm. I could do that. I could do life. I've got life skills through what we do as creative people. Yeah. Like, and people, like I know people better than anything else. That's what I feel like m- is my strong pursuit. Yeah. But was like, man, I am so out of the system. Mm-hmm. Like if I try to do anything as a creative, I'm on the back foot already. Stop it, Ms. Mersey. Um, you okay? She's so gorgeous. But, but it's, it is really tough. And unless you are in a cohort of creatives where you can discuss those things or yeah. just kind of air those graces and... Then at the end of the day, not not wallow in them, but kind of go. Well, that's all right because we can do this.
0: Just live them out with one another. Totally, like, you just you gotta bounce off each other a bit. Yeah. Like if if you don't, I feel like if I'm not around creatives that are, for example, like one milestone, right, buying a house. If I don't see another actor buy a house, I'll never buy a house because I'll never believe that I'll, yeah. I can ever have that degree of security or or stillness, yeah. you know, but then when you, you see something like that model to you, not that that's the be all and end all, cause I don't think so. But like when you see certain things modeled to you, when you see another actor become a mother and you go, Oh, you, you're you not getting admitted from the industry. You, yeah. you will work again. Yeah. You know, you are still going to be a good parent to your child, regardless yeah. of the, you know, the challenges that might come your way, then it becomes possible. Um, otherwise we're always Measuring up against a different standard?
1: No, I'm, I'm with you 100%. I think uh, seeing, like, sincerely, like having seen yourself become a mother mm. and then also homebuyer, got a couple of other mates that have bought houses, yeah. um, other friends that turn over apartments and do all these yeah. renovations and bits and pieces or starting businesses whilst being a creative person. <laughs> beat the baby. All <laughs> oh, good. We've only got like <laughs> two, two and a half minutes left anyway. Oh God. So no, no, no. Like, it's Sorry. all good. No, I'm not saying no. Like, this is. Um, we can even call it now, but <coughs> beautiful lass. It's all right. But be okay. it's you're right. There's no other. There is no other. Like, un- if that's what your standard is, when you just kind of see the week to week or the month to month, and that's all you know, like, th- because if you're not, I think I think also as a creative, you have to be proactive in reaching for a bigger community, yeah, and seeking the community you want to be a part of, yeah. I think people can kind of fall into this the thing of going oh these are my mates yeah and that's what we do so yeah. well, what do you want yeah and attract those people and then be inspired by them and give something to them as well yes I mean we've only got a minute and a half so I don't know where I can take you here with a question that we can
0: I've got a question for you oh mate uh, it could take it could lead to a 50 minute discussion but that's cool tell me about your tattoo he's got a beautiful arm oh. on his arm
1: yeah So, I've got this tattoo. It takes up like the whole of my left inner bicep. Um, uh, It's a bit shoddy. But I got it... No, I got it done in Brazil when I was 17 years old. Wow. So, I was living in Brazil as an exchange student from 17 to 18 when I finished high school. Had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, Went at the opportunity to do that. I was suggested by a Rotarian that lived in Caratha to do it. And he helped me out. So, I went. Um and I kn- like I know now that I'm kind of put together, but back then I was not. Mm. Like I was.
0: You were seventeen.
1: I was, just, but I was like I was a muck. Like I, re- yeah. We, with me and three other guys, have four tattoos over our body that we share. And this one's mine, but we share these other stuff. Um, and we had this brotherhood unto something that we never had before. And oh, I don't wow. think any of us had brothers, legitimately. Yeah, we've all had sisters or bigger families and stuff, but we're all from different countries. And um, basically, a lot of stuff happened, and I reached the midpoint of the the Rotary Exchange, and I I do suggest it for anyone else, but okay, for me, it was this huge thing, and it was just yeah, wow. it was interesting because the symbol to me means it's the um symbol, yeah. which is the Buddhist um and it's also like your today is not defined by yesterday. And your tomorrow is not defined by where you've come from. That's beautiful. So, it was a lot of that stuff just going, uh, I can be the product of whatever I want to be, not who I am or what people have said about me in the past or my actions or whatever. Like, I can continuously state who I am through my own, like you are saying before, your words or your actions and knowing what you want to be rather than everything else that's been before. Totally beautiful so yeah that's that's why I normally i cover him up but yeah he's the first <laughs> person who's asked in a long time but thank you beautiful and again that's 45 minutes for joining us and mercy thank you for joining us, sweet lady
0: she's just like drinking milk and farting into the microphone so thanks for listening to that everybody <laughs> um hungry child there's no wrath like it <laughs> no
1: there's no wrath. and it's absolutely amazing but thank you for for sharing your voice with this community and to all who are listening, there's a lot to be said. There's, a lot, I, I mean, I that was the quickest 45 minutes that I have ever had on this show. Um, and I thank you for that because it's just seemed really organic and lovely, but I know listening back, I'll, I'll find some gems and I hope everyone listening has. So be well, keep stealing, be good to each other and uh, thanks for tuning in. Thank you. Beavers. Thank you very much for listening in and being part of this community. Please subscribe, rate, review, share it with your friends and stay involved. It's great to be here with you all and I appreciate you joining me. So be well and speak soon.